Two things hold most novelists back from reaching their publishing goals. Either they need to get better at writing, but they don't know how, or their email list is too small to successfully launch a book. Now, there is a time-tested technique to address both of these issues, writing short stories. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard me recommending short story writing because it is so good for you as an author. It's like eating your vegetables. It makes you healthier and stronger. Uh, Writing short stories is the fastest way to become better at writing, and the more short stories you have to give away to email subscribers, the more email subscribers you will gain. So how do you write great short stories? Well, that is what we're going to talk about today. This episode features a remastered interview with James Scott Bell on the craft of short story writing. Uh, This is our last rerun, our new baby. Jack Umstead is here. And yes, I have photos in the show notes and I'll have more information about Jack at the end of the episode. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a difference with writing worth talking about. Now, this episode is a fiction-focused episode for both indie and traditionally published novelists, both published and unpublished. So now, let's go to the original episode, which first aired in 2015. I'm James L. Rupert, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And I'm James Scott Bell. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about writing short stories, specifically how to write short stories that work, that people like that readers have to get more of. And on the show today, as you've just discovered, is one of the best authors in the world to talk about this subject, our friend James Scott Bell. Now, I met Jim for the first time back in 2006 at a writing conference in California, and I was so impressed with him that the next year I took this class with, I guess there were seven of us in the class, so very intimate teaching where Jim was able to teach each one of us and encourage each one of us. So any success I've had in this industry, I guess Jim is somewhat to blame for it, but an amazing, amazing teacher. He has won the International Thriller Writer's Award. He's a Christie Award winner. He's a number one Amazon bestselling thriller author, but he is also a stellar writer of books on the craft. Plot and Structure is one of those novels, and you guys that have listened for a while, you've heard us talk about this book again and again and again. You have to get this book. You have to get this book. It's definitely one of my, if an aspiring writer comes to me and says, what books do I have to have? It is one of the top three. He's a frequent contributor to Writer's Digest magazine. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be here with you guys. How are you? We're doing well. Doing well. You are in very rarefied company. You're one of only two or three people who've ever come on the Novel Marketing Show twice. So for those of you who don't know, Jim Bell came on the show back in 2014. He was one of our first ever guests. And sorry it took us so long to get you back on the show. (laughs) Well, it's good to come back now that you've built up a big audience. (laughs) (laughs) We're famous now. (laughs) Absolutely. He believed in us back when we were just young whippersnappers. (laughs) That's right. Well, Jim, we've been telling our listeners, I don't know, Thomas, for the last couple of months that one of the best ways to market themselves, to use as a sales funnel, is short stories. Hey, give me your 
email address and I'll give you a short story. And we just thought, who better to come on and talk about how to write short stories that people will actually go, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got the, this than you. So I guess to start off, what advice would you give someone that's just starting to dip their toe in the water of writing short stories? Short stories, traditionally, say 100 years ago, 50 years ago, was the primary way that new writers would get their feet wet, that they would learn the craft, and they would start to market themselves. From 1920 to about 1955, 60, there was this huge market called the pulp market, which had just scads of detective magazines and adventure magazines and Titles, you know, such as Dime Detective and Weird Tales, science fiction, that uh, a voracious reading public would pick these up on newsstands for a dime or 15 cents and lots of opportunities for writers to get going. And some of the best writers we've ever produced in America started in the pulps or doing short stories. So one of the first things I would advise is depending on the kind of genre that you're aiming toward, uh, start to read some of the masters of the short story in that form. But don't limit yourself to that because any great short story writer, any great stylist can teach you something about the craft. But it's great that you can do a lot of reading over a wide variety of authors to understand what the form is like. And that'll help you as you begin your journey into writing short stories. Okay, so one of the first steps is to read a bunch of different short stories, different genres, that kind of thing? Well, absolutely. And it would be the same advice I would give to somebody who wants to write full-length fiction. You need to read a lot of full-length fiction, too. You, you just you have to absorb what the form is like, sense how it's done. In a moment, I'll talk about what I think is the key to writing a short story, but at the beginning, you want to read and you want to think about and you want to understand how you feel about it and do a little craft study in that regard. So, yeah, that would be the obvious first step. OK, let's let's talk about the keys to writing good short stories, because what I've seen a lot is a lot of authors say, I want to write novels. So they start writing novels and then they say, oh, maybe I should try short stories. And essentially they take the model of writing a novel and just try to make a short story. They just try to make it a very short novel. And, and it really doesn't work. So talk to us a little bit about that. That's backwards. A novel has a very definite structure. Of course, it has a lot of space in which to do different things. What short stories can do to help you is it can help you with style. It can help you establish a voice. It can also teach you about writing scenes and characters. But the short story form really has its own specific feel to it. It's not a multi-layered, multi-plotted, sub-plotted uh, genre. It's what it says. It's short to do basically one thing. And we're talking about really stories between a thousand and 7,500 words, something like that. that that's the short, short story range. When you get above that, you start moving into what are called novelettes, which have a little more space. And then you go into novellas, which have even more, which are like basically little novels. But for the short story, you just have that one space. And so you're trying to do one specific thing. And that's the thing that I teach for short story writing. 
talk to us a little bit about some of the common mistakes then that you see other than that of people who are trying to write short stories for the first time? Well, it depends. Sometimes people uh, will start a story with an idea. They have a a what if and, and they begin to explore the idea and they don't know exactly where they're supposed to be going with it. They're writing more as uh, an exploration. And if they get to a point where they feel like the story is over and they just stop, there's a feeling like something's missing. What I teach on short stories is if you can find the one definite point that you're writing toward, and I'll name that in a moment, then you are free to place that structural element anywhere in the story. So what I say about short stories is the great short stories, the ones that work, are about one shattering moment. And what I mean by that is the story revolves around something that happens that changes Either a character is transformed by it on the inside or it flips over their whole perspective on life. It is something that shatters their complacency or what they see as the operating you know, principle of their life. It's, it's that moment that the great short stories explore. And what's nice about knowing that is as you read short stories, you'll see that shattering moment. And then the creative part of the short story is that you can put that thing at any one of five points. You can put it at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, or it can be something that happens before the story begins, or it can be an implied and an ambiguous ending, an open-ended ending where you wonder how are these characters now going to handle this thing that has happened? And that's really the structural secret, I think, of the great short stories. Can you give us an example of that being done in a story that we might be familiar with or even not familiar with? I'll start with one of the most famous short stories uh, we have, and that is Hills Like White Elephants by Ernest Hemingway. It's a story that is taught a lot in uh, college uh, writing classrooms and English classes. And it's a story about uh, a man and a woman who are sitting at a train station, waiting for the train to arrive, having a drink. And there is this sort of implied tension between them that comes only through the dialogue. And as the story progresses we learn that this conversation that they're having is the aftermath of the shattering moment that happened before the story began. And what that shattering moment was, was this man has impregnated this woman and has told her he wants her to have an abortion. Now, the, the brilliance and the genius of that story is that the word abortion is never used It is only uh, seen from the surface level of the conversation with that subtext underneath. So that's an example of a story where the shattering moment happens before the story begins. Now, a famous short story that has the open-ended feeling is Girls in Their Summer Dresses by Irwin Shaw, which is a famous story that's often always taught. And it is about a man and a wife 
it, it starts out seemingly very innocent that they're walking down the, the street in New York and the man notices women in their summer dresses, girls in their summer dresses, young women, basically. Uh, this is an older couple, middle-aged couple, and they go to a restaurant and they begin to eat and so on. And at, at the end of the story, the the conversation they've had has gotten incredibly more intense as the wife really confronts her husband. He thinks it's all just the fun and games to notice these women, but it's really hurting her on a deep level. And it ends with him noticing the waitress, I think it is, but you don't know how you get the impression though, that the wife has been shattered. And so it's left to the reader to uh, fill in those blanks. So, and then in between, you have stories that, where the shattering moment happens at the beginning and the rest of the story is about the aftermath. Or it can happen in the middle and the, and the rest of the story is about the aftermath. And then finally, the shattering moment, if it happens near the end, that's usually where I would place the genre crime story that has that twist ending, the ending you didn't see coming. Uh, very satisfying form of writing if you can do it. And when that happens, you have that twist that also is the shattering moment for whoever the lead character is, a detective or whomever. But it's also a great shattering moment for the reader because now they're going, oh, wow, I was totally fooled by this. So that's an overview of the short story. When you're talking about shattering moment, Jim, it could also be a shattering moment in a in a beautiful way, right? Like, for example, the gift of the Magi, the O. Henry story, that's shattering where we feel so wonderful. Yes, that's a very good point. That has that shattering moment at the end where we find that wonderful twist where they've both given up the thing most valuable for the other. And in a way, it, it's got that sadness to it, but then it's overcome by that you know, wonderful sense that, yes, and the shattering aspect of that is it shatters preconceptions. Maybe they took each other for granted, or maybe they didn't know how much they loved each other. And all of a sudden, that perspective's taken away, and you have a much clearer one, yes. Another good example of, of this are Pixar short films, the ones that go before the Pixar movie. They're like the film version of a short story, and they're often super simple, often one or two or three characters. It's about a volcano, and his shattering moment is he's singing for his lady volcano, I want to love you, and then he sinks into the sea and his lava goes out. And you're like, you've only been invested in this for maybe a minute or two, and you're crying because this is like, oh, this poor <laughs> volcano, I have all the feels. <laughs> Boy, they sure are plugged in. Well, I always think of that great prologue to the movie Up, where it starts with the, the lead character who will be old in the film, but he's young and he meets that girl. I cried. Kind of, I'm not, I'm not oh, I I cried. Admit I admit it. it. I did too. <laughs> hey, look, man, I'm with you. I mean, it was what was incredible was it was done without dialogue. And just with images. And uh, that's another thing that sh short story writing will teach you that will benefit you as a novel writer is selecting the details that bring a scene to life. One of the masters of that was actually a, a man I got to study with in college, Raymond Carver, who was considered one of the great uh, short story writers uh, of the 20th century. And that's what I really picked up from him was his ability to select a detail 
that if you were discussing it out of context would seem innocuous or irrelevant even. But within the context of the story, it's what brings that scene, this incredible illumination. And so when you can do that, when you can learn how to bring the details, the sensory details to a scene in a short story, that will benefit you greatly as a novelist. So, Jim, if somebody says, yes, I want to become a student of writing great short stories, are there, you, you can't read every short story out there. Are there like two or three authors where you'd go, hey, read this collection of their short stories or go to this author to read them? Well, first of all, it depends on the sort of genre you're looking for, because you can find masters in several genres. But I, I guess I would start with the Hemingway short stories. I mean, I think he was really maybe the, the, the greatest short story writer we've ever had because of his ability to select detail and to render a scene not by overlarding us with emotional adjectives and so on, but making that, that's, that scene come to life uh, in a way that, impacts us emotionally directly. That was really what his design was. He wanted to strip away things that were manipulative and he wanted to try to render life on the page. One true sentence he used to say. So Hemingway can teach you a lot. Now, when it comes to genre short stories, like we were talking about the twist ending story, Jeffrey Deaver is a wonderful uh, writer of those sorts of stories. And he's written two collections, one called Twisted, one called More Twisted. And they are nothing but short stories with twists. And that's a great opportunity if you're writing in genre fiction, mystery fiction, to learn that style and try to guess what the ending is going to be. And it's kind of fun to, to be fooled by the writer. And when it comes to crime short stories, Lawrence Block is a grandmaster, a Mystery Writers Association. He has a collection called Enough Rope, which has a number of his crime stories, and they're very, very good. So those would be three I would mention right out of the box. Along that same line, so we're encouraging people to read these authors. Are there any books on short story writing? Or do you have any resources on short story writing specifically that people could download and start studying this part of the craft? This is what you call a softball question. So you better knock this out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Let the bases me are loaded. Think. Let me think. Well, there is a book called How to Write Short Stories and Use Them to Further Your Writing Career. And yes, I wrote that book. And I wrote it for two reasons. Number one, Honestly, I've read a number of books on short story writing, and I, I never was able to figure out from those books, because I don't think really the idea of the one shattering moment has been taught anywhere. And I kind of discovered that on my own. So I wanted to write a book about that. And then I also wanted to write a book for the current state of publishing and encourage writers now to be able to publish their short fiction online in a way that hasn't been possible for many years. The short story form really dried up when the pulp magazines began to fold. The slick magazines, you know, the Saturday Evening Post and magazines like that were very selective and limited to more of the top tier writers. 
there were a few genre magazines like Alfred Hitchcock and Ellery Queen and, and Analog and so forth that still exist. And th- those are possibilities for writers who want to break into those markets. But now writers can publish themselves and be strategic about it and use those short stories not only to build start building a following, but they can use it to test market material. They can use it to see if this is a story that I want to continue in a serial form. Maybe extend these stories into an eventual collection and so on. So there's really quite a lot of flexibility now that's available at really not very expensive cost. And we, for those of you who are not taking the five-year plan, and I know a lot of you are going through our five-year plan to become a best-selling author, we recommend more James Scott Bell books in that plan than any other author. (laughs) And we'll have a link to this book, How to Write Short Stories and Use Them to Further Your Writing Career, in the show notes. If you just scroll down on your app, you can just click it and it'll take you straight to Amazon and it is available in ebook and paper, but not audio. Come on, Bell, what's the deal here? Gotta embrace us audio people. <laughs> I do. Rubart's been after me on that for a long time, and I've just, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? But that's definitely on my list. If you want to reach the young people like me, you gotta be on audio. It's the, there's just <laughs> no two buts about it. But anyway, where can people find out more about you and the other books that you're writing, including your fiction and your short stories? Please go to my website, jamesscottbell.com. I have an email update that uh, you can subscribe to. Uh, I send out very short and hopefully entertaining emails to let you know about deals and uh, new titles. And uh, that's probably the best place to go. And uh, at Twitter, at James Scott Bell. Our sponsor today is the five-year plan to become a best-selling author. I crafted this course with Christie Hall of Fame and best-selling author James L. Rubart, who you heard in this episode. And it is a step-by-step guide through the first five years of your writing career. At first, it focuses on getting you better at writing because good marketing can't fix a bad book. And right now, with a thousand new books being published every day, the competition is intense and readers expect excellent writing. So we really focus on craft for those first two years. And I find that the authors who get the best results out of this year are the ones who are humble enough to continue working on their craft. Once you feel like you've got it all figured out, that's when your career begins to die. And if that happens before your first book comes out, then your career is doomed. One of the keys to success in this business is a teachable spirit and the ability and willingness to never stop working on your craft. I talked with one author who sold over a billion dollars worth of books, and he is still working on his craft. He is still challenging himself with each new book that he writes. And so the same is true for you. You need to continue working on your craft. But the five-year plan doesn't just talk about craft. The later years talk about getting published, how to get a literary agent, when to go to conferences, what kind of conferences to go to, and how to get a publishing contract. Or if you're going the indie route, it walks you through those steps as well. And then the final years are about marketing your book and getting your book out in front of readers. It's a lot of work, but it gets some great results. You can find out more about the five-year plan at authormedia.com slash courses. 
Our featured patron today is Derek Dopker, author of Why Authors Fail. Becoming a massively successful self-published author can be challenging. Even just one missing link in an otherwise perfect plan can kill your results. In Why Authors Fail, award-winning author Derek Dopker reveals the 17 biggest mistakes authors make that sabotage their success, along with practical steps to fix each mistake. Derek, thank you for being a patron of the podcast. Thank you for your support. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for patrons like Derek and keeping the show on the air. And if you would like to become a patron, we'll have a link in the show notes. And if you can't afford to become a patron but still want to support the show, one way to do it is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on Podchaser. Not on all three, just whichever one you use. I think they even have reviews for this podcast on Audible, if you listen on Audible. <laughs> okay, so the baby. Uh, on December 23rd, 2021, Jack Umstadt was born. He was nine pounds and 11 ounces, and it was a long difficult labor. I uh, have a lot of respect for my wife. <laughs> Every time uh, she gives birth, my respect for her goes up and my appreciation for her goes up because birthing a baby is, is no joke. <laughs> anyway, both mommy and baby are doing fine. Uh, we now have a three-year-old Mercy, a two-year-old Tommy, and now newborn Jack. So there's never a dull moment in the Umstadt household. So if you hear uh, baby noise in the background of future episodes, there's a reason, because uh, the house isn't getting any bigger, <laughs> but uh, the children are. Uh, but it's a joy. I love having uh, children, and I love that I can um, record from home. So I have a, a home studio that I produce these episodes from. And yeah, we're trying to get our sleep as we can. Uh, the plan is next week I'll have a brand new episode, and we'll be back to our regularly uh, scheduled programming. Uh, Jack came late and he cooked as long as he possibly could. So that threw a little bit of a wrench in our plans. We were expecting him uh, a week or two or maybe three weeks before he came. (laughs) So anyway, uh, we're getting back to normal. I'm trying to get caught up on sleep. And uh, overall, we are very thankful. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post is by Shauna Lettler. And I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., your host. To find the blog post version of this episode, as well as photos of my kids, if you want to see Baby Jack, you can find that at authormedia.com slash 309. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.